0: It's good to see your faces tonight. Uh, It's wonderful to be at church in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night with you. And uh, I am just, for one, absolutely overjoyed that we're back on Tuesday nights at Kairos. It's awesome, right? It's really great. There's something about being on Tuesday nights that just warms our hearts, keeps us going through the week, allows us to find true community together And uh, if you are new, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, My name is Mike. I'm the pastor here at Kairos, and I believe that God has created this place to be a place that's home for people uh, who may feel like they're not at home at church, or they're looking for a place to connect to God in a very real way. Or they're saying, hey, I I don't know if I even um, belong around Christians or around a church because I've done some stuff that I'm really ashamed of and here tonight I just want you to hear like we love you we love you just as you are you don't have to perform for us you don't have to be better we love you because Jesus loves you like that and uh, we hope that this will be a home for you now tonight um, we're going to be studying the story of David and Goliath and uh, we all know that story don't we David and Goliath Young man appears out of nowhere, fights a giant and wins. And when we hear that story, a lot of times we're like, man, it's incredible. That story tells us that we can conquer any giant that's in our way, that the little guy sometimes can beat the big guy, that it's not about how strong you are, but about how much heart you have. But tonight, as we talk about this story that many of us know, the story of David going out on a battlefield and besting a giant, I want you to to consider that maybe we've been telling the story wrong this entire time. I know you're like, okay, what? I, I heard that story in Sunday school. Obviously, it's not wrong. And I'm not telling you that, hey, the, 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 the parts of the story, the pieces of the story are wrong. What I'm telling you is that maybe we're misunderstanding what the story is all about and what God is really telling us through the story of David and Goliath. So if you've got a copy of the scriptures, why don't you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. As you turn there, uh, I want you to know that uh, we're starting a new series tonight called People of Yes. And what that means is we're talking about what it means to say yes. As Bog said, that our yes is on the table. We're talking about how this story intersects with our story how every single one of us has a moment in our life. Many, many times we have moments like these all throughout our day where we get to say, yes, God, I'm in. Whatever it takes, I'm in. And that's what you see happening in David's life. So let's read the story. We're going to set it up here. Uh, and I think you're going to find that there's a lot to the story that you never saw when you heard it in Sunday school, when you talked about it with your parents. There's a lot of details here that really bring uh, the story into focus, into what God is really trying to tell us uh, about in this story, okay? So let's read it together. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1 says, The Philistines gathered their forces of war at Soko in Judah and camped between Soko and Zekah in Ephes damim Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the Valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill, The Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was 9 feet 9 inches tall and wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. His spear haft was like a weaver's beam and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield-bearer was walking in front of him. He stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations, Why do you come out to line up in battle formation? He asked them. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men, and have him come down to fight against me. If he wins, you're going to fight against me and kills me. We will be your servants, but if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. Now our story is here. The people of Israel have gone out to fight. This is what they do every spring. Uh, A king would gather up his... Soldiers, and they would go defend their borders from their enemies. And the people of Israel during this time were plagued by one particular enemy called the Philistines. The Philistines were the bully on the block, okay? They had all the best gear. They had all the best weapons. They were more numerous than the the Hebrew people. And they would come out, and they would wipe the floor with the Hebrews over and over again. But this year, when they go out to fight... They bring a new toy with them, a man named Goliath. Goliath is a champion. This word champion uh, in Akkadian means that you're someone who's a man of the in-betweens. You might say, what does that mean, being a man of the in-betweens? Well, what it means is that when you would fight, you would put your army up on a hill, and you would face another army on another hill. And you would wait for the other people to make the first move and attack you, because it's easier to fight downhill than uphill. Okay? Okay? But every once in a while, there would be someone who is so tough and so strong and so fearsome that they would be a champion, the kind of person who could stand between the armies and challenge anybody on the other side to fight them, to say, listen, I will fight on behalf of my entire army. And if anybody thinks they can take me, then we will gladly surrender. And that's what Goliath is like. He's massive. He's nine foot nine okay? Like, there's not even a word for that in our current uh, experience, right? I mean, I play basketball. I love playing basketball. There's a guy I play basketball with every week. First time I saw him, I was like, I hope he never plays with us, okay? He's six foot eight, weighs about 350 pounds. He is a mountain, okay? And he started playing with us. In fact, I played with him this morning. I ran into a pick, and my face was like right here on him, and I'm telling you, I had a big uh, sweaty faceplant right into his side because I feel like a, a very small person next to Rob. He's he's massive, and he's tiny compared to Goliath. Goliath is three feet taller than him, and so Goliath goes out and he challenges anybody to fight him. And what he's really looking to do is he's looking to fight Saul, King Saul, who is Israel's champion. King Saul was the tallest. Of his people, the Bible makes it clear that one of the reasons why he was selected king is because he's a head and a half taller than everybody else in his country. And Goliath is really looking to take down King Saul. And this is an opportunity for King Saul to say yes to God. God has anointed him king out of everybody else In this country, God said, you, you're the one who's going to lead my people. He's the very first king of Israel. Before Saul, there were no kings. The people of Israel said, we want a king who will fight for us, who will be our champion, who will lead us into battle and be the the person that we can trust instead of you, God. We want someone who will stand up and fight for us. And that was Saul. But instead of saying yes, Saul says what? No, not me. I'm not going out there to fight that guy. Somebody else needs to go fight because I am afraid. And here's the reality for all of us. There are times where we feel afraid about life, don't we? I mean, sometimes we think that there's nothing to be afraid of, but then all of a sudden something big comes our way. Man, we might be like cruising through life and all of a sudden uh, someone breaks up with us or we lose our job or a parent gets cancer or we get sick and we don't know what we're going to do. Life becomes bigger than just us. Sometimes we're in a hostile environment where people do not love God, do not care about Him, do not love Him with all their heart, and they say things and we go, I don't know if I'm supposed to step into this because I hope that someone is near me who can have these conversations, who's down to get into this argument, because I'm not ready. I don't know if I can step into that. And there's something within us where we just hope that someone will fight the battle for us, because we're afraid. We're not ready to say yes. And into this story comes a young man named David. David comes because his brothers are are hungry. His dad knows that they're in the battle, and he says, hey, David, go check on on your brothers. And David's never fought in a war in his life. He's young. He's unknown. In fact, the one thing he is known for is the fact that he can really sing. In fact, uh, he's so well known for that, that he's been brought into the king's courts to entertain the king and to sing before all of the court. But that's all that people know about him. He's a shepherd boy from Bethlehem. But in the middle of the ordinary part of his life where he's simply bringing his brother's lunch, God gives him an opportunity to say yes. And that's something that's so important for us when we think about saying yes to God. Sometimes we think that it's going to be a moment that we see coming. We've been gearing up for it. We see the conflict coming and we're ready to step into it. But usually our moment where we get to say, God, I'm in or not, comes when we least expect it. It can be on a grocery run or hanging out with your friends, or talking to your spouse. It can happen in the most ordinary moments of your life. When you get it to say, God, I'm in, I'm going to say yes. And here David shows up at the battlefield, and he hears Goliath saying, I will fight anybody. Send a champion to fight me, and no one moves a muscle. In fact, the entire army says, nope, not doing it. They're looking around to see who's gonna be the brave one. It's almost like, the junior high dance floor, right? You guys remember that? There's dance. No one's dancing. Everybody's on the, on the walls just looking back, seeing who's going to go first. Some of you guys have been at weddings like that. Same thing. Everybody's like, I ain't going first. Hope somebody does, but I'm not going to be the one who gets out there first because I don't have any game. This is happening on this battlefield. Nobody wants to step up and fight. Everybody's saying, no, not me. But what does David do? He does something different. Look with me in verse 26. So jump forward to verse 26. It says this. David spoke to the men who are standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David goes, who is that guy? Who's the guy in the at the bottom of the hill yelling at us. Who's that guy? And he's not saying, wow, that guy is amazing. You know what he's saying? He's saying, that guy is defying not just us, but he's defying God. And he makes an important connection here. What David is most concerned about is he's concerned for God's name and reputation. He's concerned for God's glory. He's not worried about Goliath's strength. He's worried about God's reputation because in this time uh, what people would see when they would consider a battle or they consider some kind of combat is that they wouldn't just see it as armies colliding they'd see it as divine warfare the strongest God would win so when your army would fight against somebody else's army you believe that if you did the right things if you pray the right prayers if you lived the life the right way your God would intervene and you would win. And David is saying, we are shaming our God because we're not interested in stepping into this conflict. And here's what you need to hear tonight when it comes to saying yes to God. And I know this is going to rhyme, so you may go, that's a little cheesy, but I promise you, if you remember this, you're going to hear the heartbeat of tonight's message. But when it comes to God in our story, What matters is our concern for God's glory. Because our concern for God's glory will define our story. Let me say that again. Our concern for God's glory will define our story. What I mean by that is that what we think about God and who he is is and his attributes, and what he's all about. That will define our life, the way that we live, the way that we walk down the street, the way that we interact with the people that we work with, the way that we interact with the people that we date, the way we operate with our families, with our kids, or with our spouse. What we think about God defines everything else that we do. And when we think about who he is, and how we live our life to glorify him, that reality changes the way that we live. For many of us, we think my story is what matters. The way I I live my life and how many experiences I have, that's what matters. But David had a better narrative. He believed that God's glory is more than my story. So he believed that God's glory mattered far more than his own life and his own story and what was happening in his everyday life. That he was really interested in what God was doing, what God was about. And we see that in verse 32. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. David goes to Saul and he says, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. David looks around and says, okay, listen, I'll do it. Out of thousands of people, David, the least imposing person, he's not even in the army, says, I'll do it don't worry, Saul, I've got this one. It's like a heat check, unlike anything else, right? It's like, I got this, I got this. Don't worry, Saul, I know you're the king, but me as your worship leader, I've got this, okay? I've never fought in a battle in my life, but I got this. And I want you to know that in this moment, no one agreed with David, okay? No one was like, oh, we've been waiting for you. This is awesome. And we think, that they might say that, because we know the end of the story, right? We're like, okay, we know that he's going to win, so obviously it was the right choice. But at the moment, nobody agrees with David, no one at all. So what you find is you find a series of conversations between David and people who don't believe in him. First of all, it's his brothers. His brothers go, David, you're evil for even thinking this. They don't even say, like, this is a bad idea. They question his heart and his motives. They're like, David, you're just in it for the wrong reasons. And you will have people, when you step into what God is calling you to do, they'll come after your character. They'll say, listen, you shouldn't be the one stepping up. There are better options than you. And David's like, I don't care. Someone has to do it. Then Saul says, David, the way that you're going to do it isn't enough. You're going to go out there as a shepherd? Let me tell you what you need. You need armor. And so he brings out his own armor, the the best suit of armor they have in their country. And goes, David, I want you to put this on. But David goes, that's just not going to fit me. I can't fight in that. I can't even walk in that. And you're going to find sometimes when you say yes to God, people are going to say, do it the way that we think you should do it. Not only, hey, you're not qualified, but they're saying your methods aren't good enough. You need to fight the way that we fight. You need to go to, to warrior school and learn how to do battle. But David breaks those paradigms because he goes, no, I can't do it the way that you can do it. And what's important about this is that we're constantly comparing ourselves to people around us, aren't we? We're constantly comparing ourselves with people who are farther along or more successful or more popular. And we think that if we're going to be popular, successful, or we're going to make our story matter, we have to do it the way that they do it. But that's not true you need to stay in your lane because you cannot be anybody else other than yourself and that's enough David's like nope gonna leave the armor behind I'm gonna go out and do battle and so he walks down to the battlefield and what happens next is Goliath starts making fun of him so he also doesn't believe in David he's like okay what this guy this is what you got Have you looked at my skills? Have you seen how big I am? I'm expecting Saul to come or some other guy we've never seen before. But you're sending a person who's not wearing armor, who doesn't have a sword, who's coming at me with a stick. What's happening? He's like, is this like the twilight zone? And he starts to mock David. He says, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. Come here, little boy, because I'm going to kill you. So nobody believes in David. Can you imagine being David at this moment? His family doesn't believe in him. All of his allies don't believe in him. His king doesn't believe in him. The Philistines certainly don't. And Goliath's taunting him, saying that David is going to die. What do you think's going on through his mind? Well, I'll tell you, because David tells us. What he does is he unleashes perhaps the greatest smack doc in history, okay? I mean, I'm serious, like... He's a level 10 at trash-talking, and you have to read this to believe it, okay? So look with me in verse 45. This is what David says. So as he's walking down to the Philistine, to Goliath, this is what he says. He goes, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. Can you feel that? Right? David's like, oh, you think you're big? I'm going to come down and I'm going to kill you and I'm going to hand your whole army over to the birds of the sky. Why? Why can he step into that? Well, there's two things that David knows that nobody else knows in the camp. The first thing is he knows who God is. He knows who God is. He knows that God is bigger than the giant. The giant's not big enough. He knows who God is. And he says this. He says, the reason I'm coming out here is not because I'm any good. It's because I'm coming out with the Lord of armies at my back. Look what he says. He goes, the world would know that they're is a God in Israel. He says, this isn't just me against you, this is you against God. I'm simply the prop. And I'm stepping into this right now because I believe that God cares about His glory and He will do whatever it takes to make His name great. And no one else wants to say yes, but I will because I know God cares about this. And I'm not going to Turn him away. I'm not going to shame him. It could have been anybody. But I know that God cares about this. Because me and God, we're a majority. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm going to please him. That's what he knows about God. Second thing, he knows something about himself. He knows who he is. David knows who he is. Who is David? Well, on one hand, he's nobody. But on the other hand, he's the anointed king of Israel. He's who God has said will be king. And David knows that he's not king yet. So if God is real and he is powerful, then David is immortal that day. He's like, I don't know how it's going to go down. But when I step out there, I'm going to win. Why? Because God said I'm going to be king. I'm not king yet. He also knows who God has said that he is. So David's name is actually... Uh, A very unique thing, because his name means two different things. In Goliath's language, which is called Akkadian, that's the language that Goliath spoke, his name means champion. That's what David means. It means that he's the kind of guy who can stand between two two armies and say, I'll fight anybody. But you know what David's name means in Hebrew, in David's language? It means beloved. So he's known as a champion, but he's also beloved. And the reason he's beloved is because God knows him by name and loves him. That's what we know about David. He's a man after God's own heart. God has said, you are mine. And the same thing is true for you. God loves you. God loves you. He knows you by name. He knows the battles you're going through. He knows the struggle that you're in. He knows the addiction that you're facing. He knows your fear. And he will not leave you in that battle by yourself. Because it's not about your strength or what you bring to the table. It's about God. It's about God. And ultimately, it's about his glory. It's about his name and what he wants to do in you. And there will be a moment, if it has not come already, where you will have the opportunity to say yes or no. Where you have the opportunity to say yes or no. And here's the trick that you need to know about right now. Okay, you want to hear the trick of how to say yes? Because I think all of us would say, I want to be like David. I mean, we're not going to do a show of hands here because that could get embarrassing, okay? But if there's anybody in the room who wants to be like Saul who's saying no, uh, I don't think anybody would raise their hand because they're like, that guy sucks, okay? He's terrible. We don't like him. We want to be like David. And how did David get there? It's because he had already said yes before he even walked on the battlefield. He had a preemptive yes. He had said, I will do whatever God wants me to do. Whatever the question is, my answer will be yes. It'll be yes. And that's what I want you to do tonight. And I know that some of us aren't there yet. Some of us are like, seriously, just walk to church for the first time in a year, Okay. I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's okay. The time will come. But the most important decision every single one of us in this room can make is to say yes before the question is even asked. And to care about God's glory and to say, God, I want you to be glorified through my life so my answer will be yes because I want to please you with my life that's what it means to be a person who says yes. Says, God, I'm in. Which direction do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? I want to be someone that you can use just like you used David. And when you do that, something powerful is unleashed in that you get to see God's power and presence. Because you know what? Everybody walked away from that battlefield thinking. They didn't think, wow, David is stronger than a giant. no. They walked away saying, our God is bigger and better than we can imagine. Let's pray. God, give us the courage to say yes. And I know in a room like this, there's a lot of us who want to, but we feel like we can't get there because we're looking at ourself. Because we're saying, it's my story. And perhaps we're asking the wrong question. We're asking the question of, hey, can I do this? Am I strong enough? Can I have enough courage? And it's really not about any of those things. It's simply about just saying, God, my answer is yes. And you can supply what is needed. You can do what it takes to overcome my life to count. For me to overcome whatever barrier that's keeping me from living the way you want me to. For me to be a light in my community. Why? Not so people can look at me and say, wow, that person's got to figure it out. But just like David said, the people would know there's a God in Nashville, Tennessee. Wouldn't that be cool? Some people look at our life and go, you know what? I don't know a lot of things, but one thing I do know is that there's a God in Nashville because of the way you live your life. Wouldn't that be cool? If people go, wow, for God to do that, it must mean that He's real. Simply because you and I said, God, our answer is yes. So God, would it not be our story that matters, but your glory, that we'd fix our eyes upon you in your name, and you would call us into a place we've never been before, the place where you walk, and we feel your presence, and even though others may be saying no, we say yes. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen.